Hello, my friends, and welcome to this week's New World Kirtan podcast. It's Sunday, May 15th, 2016. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I produce this show as an act of love and service to our global Kirtan family. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. Oh, I love spring so much. Very often the weather in Oregon can be rainy and cold in the spring, but not this year. It has been sunny and warm and beautiful, and I've started doing yoga out in the backyard again. When I lie down on my mat and look up at the branches of the walnut tree, it feels like I'm greeting an old friend again. The survey is finished and I'll be sending it out tomorrow, so please look for an email from me if you've signed up for our newsletter. I've also put the link at the New World Kirtan podcast website. It's pretty short, and I hope you'll respond if you'd like to provide me with input to help shape the New World Kirtan podcast going forward. You can sign up for our newsletter at our website. Don't forget that Russell Paul is now a supporter of the podcast, and he's offering our listeners some excellent discounts on a few of his courses. Achieving success with mantras is 20% off for New World Kirtan listeners, and there's also a free ebook for us and a free online course on the yoga of sound. You can access this from Russell's ads on our website, on the homepage, and on the podcast page. Uh, You won't see his ads if you have an ad blocker on, so be aware of that. You can also mention New World Kirtan when you enroll in this course and several others to receive your discount. Russell is writing a series of articles for us on the yoga of sound, and the first one is up on the New World Kirtan homepage. This week's show begins a series of interviews on where Western Kirtan is headed. The topic was a serendipitous event. It came about because of a conversation I had several months ago with Dave Stringer and Madi Das. I was interviewing them because their CD, Bhakti Without Borders, was nominated for a Grammy Award this year. During that conversation, we went down the side street of right livelihood for Kirtan artists and subsequent talks with Ian Basio of Blue Spirit Wheel and Gershon Hendelberg, Mike Cohen and Waugh, Jayutal and Ben Leinbach, and Nina Rao led to an expansion of the topic. This week, you'll first hear the short conversation with Madi and Dave that started the whole thing, and then Ian Basio and Gershon Hendelberg will give us their perspective, followed by an excerpt from the conversation with Waugh and Mike Cohen. This will be continued in part two. As I was talking to these artists, I became aware of a change to Sirius XM's Krishna Das channel and how that change is affecting our kirtan artists. We'll talk about that and also about how streaming and downloading is affecting their compensation. Have you ever wondered how kirtan artists are supported in India or what it's like to be a touring kirtan artist here in the United States? How are kirtan artists making money these days? You'll find out in this week's show. You'll also hear several of us talk about tithing. Tithing is a commitment you make to keep your money flowing toward the good, toward that which supports you spiritually. You could consider tithing a portion of your income to Kirtan, perhaps by buying a CD from an artist you like, or coming to a Kirtan concert to keep that goodness flowing. The artists in this interview will be telling you the best ways to support them in this age of streaming and internet downloads. For instance, did you know that if you buy your Kirtan tracks from Bandcamp instead of iTunes, the artists will receive more of your money? I didn't. Please, my friends, I ask you to take to heart what Madi Das says. 
If we who do yoga and kirtan would pay for the kirtan music we listen to, if we would take care of our own community, the musicians who inspire us would thrive. The choices you make can have a profound impact. What do we want our kirtan community to look like? How can we come together to create it? That's what we'll be exploring in this series. If you'd like to join in this conversation, I'll be starting a Facebook group so we can all talk to each other. And I'll also let the artists know so they can participate. Our next show is an interview with David Newman, and he'll be telling us all about what he's up to these days. He's headed to the Hanuman Festival June 9th to the 12th in Boulder. That should be a fun time. Their lineup is pretty stellar. So until then, dear hearts, thank you for listening. Namaste. Back to the conversation about supporting our musicians. Um, this is our family and you guys nourish us and there ought to be a way of, of helping you also to make a living, you know? Well, it's up one to of us as a community yeah. to do it. Yeah, and I understand like, you know, there's sometimes there's forces you can't resist. I, I, I see that people are going for the convenience of streaming music and I understand why. Um, it's just at this point in time, there's not really a lot of revenue that comes back to musicians from that. It's getting harder and harder to sell physical CDs. Uh, many people just don't have the means to play them. And, you know, if people have the choice between downloading something or streaming it, more and more people are choosing to stream it. So uh, we find ourselves in a in a very strange predicament. On the one hand, as an individual, you can crowdfund something and get it out to the world in a way that you never could do it before. But the thing is, it still costs money to make music and to produce it. And if you don't have any way of receiving a return on that, to not just recoup the expenses, um, you know, you have to just wonder, it, 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 it becomes something for trust fund babies to do, and that's it. And, and, and that potentially silences a lot of vital voices. Um, my hope is, is that by connecting this to people's desire to benefit others, that it can also benefit artists. Yeah, well, it's another it's another way of I, I know this is this is something that is facing every musician and every every person who's trying to make a living from music. But it is a way of perhaps catching people's attention in, in another way, you know. And I also think that if, if more people within our community had the idea that maybe tithing um, to whatever feeds you spiritually doesn't necessarily have to be a church, you know, but buy a Kirtan CD, don't stream it. Because when you buy it, you're supporting the musicians who, who are continuing to develop spiritually and musically, and and who can also help you to develop spiritually, you know, with their music. So it's, it kind of becomes a community support thing, I think. Yeah, which it always was. I mean, that's the thing is that uh, traditionally, I mean, kirtans might have been available for free for people, but somebody was supporting them. And that was something that somebody who had means were, were very pleased to be able to offer that to the community. So I don't know, maybe we're returning to some kind of sponsorship model. Yeah, I mean, I, I think at least in the Vedic and Vaishnav, historically in, in previous ages, the priests were always paid. Um, you know, you you would invite a priest and, or a Brahmin or someone, and you would, they would do a ceremony, whether it was a you know marriage ceremony or you had a kid or whatever, and they would be paid. 
um, by the person who brought the sponsor, the patron of, of the event. Um, and then Kirtan, which is supposed to be the most accessible way of accessing the absolute truth in this age, like Dave was saying, is it's, it, that was the natural progression is these are the new priests. You know, Kirtan mm-hmm. singers are now the kind of priests of that religious form of accessing the divine or spiritual practice. And so similar to the old days in Christianity, you might tithe supporting your kirtan artists and 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 allowing them to continue to provide that service of ministry to the community. It becomes the responsibility of the congregation and, and the people who enjoy that music uh, rather than thinking, oh, this is just a free service that is provided by uh, an organization that um, charges no taxes or takes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every service you enjoy has to be subsidized in some way. Um, so if you're enjoying a spiritual enhancement via music, um, there needs to be some nurturing uh, to be a responsible um, consumer of that. We had this conversation the other day. If just the yoga and kirtan community paid for just paid for the music that was in their community that they used in yoga classes, in their cars, and when going for jogs or meditating, if, if if we just took care of our own community, the 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 kirtan musicians would thrive, and 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 it would be a huge investment in the future of this music tradition. Uh, it's funny that uh, we don't question that we have to pay for other things that are essential to our being. Uh, you don't go to the supermarket and argue that the food costs money. I mean, you might choose not to buy certain things because it's too expensive for your budget, but you don't argue that food is going is part of what you work to you know to go and buy. Um, a world without music uh, is is robbed of so much of its feeling and substance. Sorry, it's robbed of so much feeling and sustenance. Uh, in all of the major transitions of our lives, music is there for us, or it's something that we find really essential. Um, it just seems crazy that we see other things as being necessary and worth paying for, but that somehow music is not. I, I'm confused by that. And, it, and, and maybe the problem lies in also how musicians value what they do. At the, at the beginning of the yoga movement, I remember that, you know, nobody knew what you would charge for a yoga workshop, you know, two hours of a yoga teacher's time. And so people said, well, how does like $45, $50 sound? And people are like, okay, that sounds all right. So it's okay. People are used to paying $50 for two hours of a visiting rock star yoga teacher's time. But if we show up with a full band, sound and lights, and you want, and we say we need $50 for two hours of our time, people are like, oh no, I'm not paying that. Really? Wow. Like where there's a disparity in valuation here. Why is it that a yoga teacher's time is worth that, but musicians are not? And I have to think that maybe some of the fault does lie with musicians in saying, you know, oh, but I just really want to play. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to just want to get my stuff out there. Um, and maybe it has to do with that music used to happen in bars uh, or often do, still does. And alcohol is actually really paying the bills, you know, not. Oh, that's not, a good point. Know? Yeah. But um, but I do also think that sometimes people feel that money somehow corrupts their music, which is an argument that I guess I I, I have with some kirtan singers uh, oh. that 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 somehow not being involved with money somehow keeps it pure, and 
I'm not sure that that's I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I think that sometimes being able to make a living from music means that you can concentrate more of your time and resources on music and make better music. Yeah, and and you know, as you were saying in in India uh, back in the day, what I mean that was the reason why musicians were supported by the community and by benefactors so that they could be free to do what they do yeah. best, which is inspire everybody else through their celestial music. And I don't know, somewhere along the line, we seem we seem to have lost that. And uh, I know that if we as a community don't want things to be different, then they won't be. But um, right. Why? Why would we not want this for our musicians? This is like a family. This this right. Kirtan community. Yeah. Somehow, in the last decade and a half, Kirtan music became international culture, in a worldwide community. That's a fantastic thing. I'm not sure that it would have happened without the internet and without all of these ways of transmitting music. And yet, it's a it's a strange paradox that the very thing that enabled it. Uh, to to spread and be known is also potentially hobbling the further growth of it simply because people can't figure out how to support themselves and do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, I mean, it's leveling the field across all kinds of, of professions. So. Right. But it's happening to photographers. It's happening sure. to writers. It's, it's happening to most of the creative mediums. And uh, it's hard to say what this era is going to look like from the perspective of several decades from now. And hopefully it will have sorted itself out. Um, but, uh, but, but we're in a place of transition in terms of the underlying economics of it. That said, I'm really grateful that this is, that this music has been able to be received widely that uh, it's both a product of world culture and a, contributor to the creation of world culture at the same time. Um, I think that there is an economic model that we can find eventually that benefits not only the artists themselves, but uh, who create the music, but allows artists to not only pay their bills, but to also devote their energies to greater causes, uh, such as what's served by this record. So um, maybe this discussion or this record is an opening salvo in trying to figure that you know, right livelihood argument out is certainly not the la not the first and won't be the last discussion about it. But anyway, uh, so I've invited you both here because you both have different perspectives on this. Um, Ian, you are the director of Chantlanta mm -hmm. and uh, and you're also a performer in Blue Spirit Wheel. And and uh, and so Chantlanta, I'd like you to talk about that because Chantlanta is a festival that is run completely on Seva. And I have been there and it is incredibly sweet, um, has a different atmosphere than any other festival I've been to. And I love it. Um, Gershon, I've asked you because you have uh, experience um, in bands that are not Kirtan uh, outside of the Kirtan world. And also you're just starting out as a Kirtan performer with your partner, uh, Krishna. And so you guys are booking venues. And, and so I just kind of like to, to hear about it from both your perspectives. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that you are, you know, you're, you're, you're very correct regarding the traditional nature of, um, of, of how this works in India, not just in, um, not just in terms of, of Kirtan and, and music, but in the spiritual life of people in India, at least in the Hindus in India, um, 
you know, it is that way. You know, it, I think, you know, when you have a, a type of spirituality that's based on this idea of karma, then one of the things that you come to understand is that if you uh, in this lifetime have access to great wealth, whether you earned it or whether you inherited it or stumbled across a bag full of money uh, or whatever, that that in its essence is a karmic situation and um, and that that money has come to you for the purpose of you doing something good with it. Um, and so so therefore it's kind of expected or it's thought of as being your duty to use that money that you have to um, kind of support the spiritual life of other people who are less fortunate. Mm -hmm. So the very wealthy members of the communities will build the temples and pay the priests and pay the musicians um, and, and other things of that nature um, and act as these, as these patrons, so to speak, for the spiritual life of the community so that the people who don't have any money can go and participate in the in the puja and and various other uh, you know kirtan and, and whatever else they happen to be doing um i mean kirtan is a little bit different and this is where we run into uh this is where we tend to run into to problems with the more traditional community uh, whether it be indians or or people who are very affected by traditional indian culture because uh, kirtan as a as a community event has always been traditionally been free in india um and it's thought yeah. of not that you know like like what we do in terms of having you know like the kirtan artist is is sort of a novel concept i think in many ways um uh for indians because that doesn't really it's not, it's, you know, or it hasn't in the past been the mainstream thing. The Kirtan has always been a community kind of thing where people would just get together and everybody would play instruments and people would, would trade off singing and it didn't matter if you were good at it or not. It just mattered whether you had a lot of bhakti. Mm. Um, and, and so they were sort of, you know, I mean, a, a Kirtan, one of the translations for the, the Sanskrit word Kirtan is, is just the word celebration. You know, oh, that, really? That, yeah, that's what it, that's one of the things that it means. It has a number of definitions, but that's one of them. And, and it's like a big party, you know. Um, so but on the other hand, in India, there are then also um, like musicians, like very amazingly talented and and skilled musicians who spend all of their time uh, practicing their craft. Um, and becoming really, really good at what they do. And those people do get paid. They get paid by by the wealthy uh, uh, patrons. And so if you have somebody who's like a budgeon singer um, or, or uh, you know, very, very good uh, instrumentalist, um, those people are typically paid because they need to, you know, have a house and food and other things of that nature. Um, and they provide the service of their, you know, their incredible music, music ability in exchange for that. Um, so here in the United States, we call what we do Kirtan, but it's actually sort of a hybrid mm. uh, in a lot of ways. It's kind of like, you know, partly like the professional musician thing is in India and partly like the Kirtan thing is in India. So it's it's a it's a, a you know, kind of unusual in that way. And, and and for people who are very into traditional Indian culture, they'll get tripped up by that uh, aspect of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean. Ultimately, I think you're right. I think it's just uh, the the intersection of yoga in general and capitalism is is very awkward right now. Um, and, and 
the the model for how this should work. I, and and I don't I don't think just in terms of Kirtan. I think you know in terms of yoga altogether is is just not figured out. We just really haven't. We don't really have it yet. Yeah. And, um, and I, I and I can't really say what it's supposed to be. You know. I'm I'm curious, you guys, Gershon, when when you are booking. And Ian, when you were booking, but I like Gershon to answer this one. Do you ask, first of all, for a certain fee or do you do it by a donation basis? Uh, we've done we've done both. And it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, such a case by case, you know, situation. But mm-hmm. the only thing that I can say that really has been even remotely kind of funny <laughs> is um, is being. And I, and this might look, this might be the way it is, you know, in some places and some places just not is, is charging us for the room fee or whatever, you know, like just to, you know, turn on the power and, and heat or AC or whatever (laughs) it is. And, you know, as traveling musician, that gets a little dicey because it's, you know, you're already putting a lot of you know, resources into getting somewhere and then, you know, who knows if, you know, people will show up or not. And mm-hmm. if you go in a situation where nobody shows up and then you have to pay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't space. know that was, oh. Hmm. Well, yeah. some, some, some yoga studios will, will say, you know, well, you can rent our studio for the night for X number of dollars, you know, do right. whatever you want. But I agree with Gershon, that's a, that's unworkable. Yeah, it's unworkable. Exactly. And uh, and, you know, the biggest challenge, you know, that I see in this whole, you know, you mentioned how I'm kind of crossover and that I was in a uh, and it's still in a reggae band for the past, you know, 13, 14 years now is going from those type venues into the yoga studios. And, you know, with obviously with the other venues, they have alcohol Mm -hmm. that is. Yeah. You know, in the most cases, it's what's really paying the bills. It's yeah. not. It's not really ticket sales. So here you have this situation <laughs> of the, you know, modern day hybrid kirtan artist going around, and you know those those alcohol sales are not there. I mean, if we could start selling kombucha and <laughs> like that, maybe on tap, maybe we get into yeah. a better situation. But yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's yeah. I spot. I remember from my rock and roll days, uh, we used to, you know, we used to joke about, um, you know, what's your occupation? Uh, I'm a beer salesman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Happen, yeah. To play, happen to play an instrument, but that's what I'm really, you know, that's why what I've been hired to do is to get people to drink more beer. Yeah. I don't know. Ian, how are you finding, you're about to go on tour. Have you had yeah. those kinds of problems when you were booking? Um, well, I just, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I literally won't book a place that wants to charge me money for anything. Nice. Um, I, I just won't do it. And also, you know, there's a, there's a, a place of requirement of like, you know, if I'm coming into town, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta find me a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody in the community, I don't care if I have got a, you know, I'll have a sleeping mat with me and I'll sleep on the floor or whatever, but you know, I need a roof over my head and a shower. Um, because there too, it's just like if you're paying for hotels uh, out of your pocket, it's like oh, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna come up really short on on money um, by the end of it. And uh, but uh, you know, on the flip side of that, um, I refuse to uh, you know charge a flat fee um, for doing this. 
as well. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we'll do a, a, you know, we'll have a percentage split with the venue that, that favors the band pretty heavily. Um, but, but I, you know, I, I can't, I can't reconcile for myself, um, putting all of the risk on the venue either. You know, it's like, that's the flip yeah. side of it that you see happening a lot. Um, and I know this from being on the other side of it, from, from booking other, other bands and also from being a yoga studio owner of what, of what that's like, that, you know, most of what's happening now is that the venue is becoming totally responsible for everything. Mm. Uh, and, and the, the artist has a fee that, that must be paid whether enough people showed up to pay it or not. And, um, and it's scary for yes. a lot of these, of these smaller places. They don't, you know, that it's, it's really, you know, there are certain artists who just, you know, have, are, are literally priced out of Atlanta. Um, they cost so much to bring in, um, that nobody, you know, and nobody, nobody is really clear that, that enough people could, uh, could be, you know, uh, that enough people would buy tickets to actually cover the artist's fee. And, uh, and, and none of the yoga studios here can afford to lose money. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a month to month business and anybody that's been involved in it knows that, um, I just, I just, I just believe in, I just believe it needs to be shared risk. I, I think that, I think that everybody gets involved, you know, the, the, the venue sets it up and promotes it and provides a place for the artist to stay and stuff like that. The artist, you know, gets pay, pays for the gas to get there, um, you know, and, and, and sets aside a whole day to, to be there and to do that thing. And then hopefully it works out, you know, I mean, and, and in my mind, it's just, you know, the, the places that haven't worked out for me on tour where, you know, because inevitably what will happen is sometimes you'll get um, uh, some places that they just, you know, because they're not, because there's no risk, they don't bother to do the work to actually make it a decent show. Um, those places, I just don't go back there. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I yeah. take the risk on it and it doesn't work out. And I say, okay, you know, lesson learned won't go back to that place. I'll find somebody else in that city who's more interested in actually doing this, you know? And so for places that I've toured a few times, like the Southwest, um, you know, I've got routes now and people that I know are, are solid and, and that I, you know, I, that I've built relationships with. And, um, you know, I, I think that to a large extent, um, or at least on a certain level, you know, a higher, you know, people, people that are on a higher level than blue spirit wheel is on, um, in terms of, of name recognition, um, you know, their feeling about, about taking those kinds of risks is, you know, they're just not willing to do it. Um, you know, so, so when I say there are artists that are priced out of Atlanta, I mean, they literally won't come here now. You know, it's like, if we can't pay the fee, they won't come. Mm. Yeah. You know? and-, and there's not a lot, of, there's not, you know, there's very little like negotiating that's, that seems to be possible on it. And it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit mind boggling to me, you know, because I have always thought about it, about like, you got to build those relationships with the communities, you know, you got to meet the community where it is and, and build it, you know, um, and, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's something about, you know, artists, uh, that are, that are, um, thinking more on a nationwide or even a multi country, basis where it's just too many people, too many communities for them to think about the the relationships that, that deeply, you know? Yeah. And, you know, and they have a full band to support. It's, it's almost as though they're in a whole different, um, 
category mm-hmm. than than a lot of the people that are working in, with the grassroots down mm-hmm. really with the community, which to me is what Kirtan is about. It's about yeah. the community, and uh, and each yoga studio has its own little community. You know, its yeah. own its own <laughs> little its own little gestalt or whatever. You know, and yeah. and um, and so. You know, I mean, Gershona, you finding uh, you don't you don't have a minimum. You kind of follow this right with the uh, with splitting the like yeah, the venue exactly. and the, yeah, exactly. the splitting, and then yeah, also even just like Ian said too, as far as like a flat rate, um, not having that rather, and uh, and then yeah, also. Um, you know, making sure no one in the community gets shut out either by, right. you know, offering, Thanks. you know, a, a sliding scale, you yeah, know, whatever. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. this is, you know, this is medicine that you can't get in hospitals and doctor's offices. You know, I need it, you know, so yeah. badly and that's why I do it. And uh, it's just such a blessing that other other people feel it and, and have healing experiences. We're all we're also blessed to be in, into this. I I so <laughs> agree with that, and and I think you guys are just so lucky that you are in the vicinity of a of a place like Atlanta that has a community that really coalesces around those values and can put together a festival like Chant Atlanta mm-hmm. that is um, that is Seva, and uh, you know that's not the case. Um, of course. And, uh, I mean, you guys are the only ones that do it, right? Well, uh, I mean, I'm, there, there may be other ones. I don't know. I, you know, I think it is to be said without a doubt that, um, you know, Chantlana is based on the dedication of now we're at about, uh, 12 people, I think who organize the festival, um, who, who, you know, work for, uh, six or seven months out of the year on it. And without getting paid, and those people just you know deeply believe in in the festival and what it what it is and and what it creates um, to the point to where they're willing to do that. So the question that's is, can you, find, can you find a group a group of people that's big enough um, to to actually do it? You know, um, and and it's you know and it's 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 fantastic in the way that so many different aspects of the Atlanta community come together around it. Just in terms of like we were talking about sort of funding stuff like this, you know, I mean, it's it's advertising dollars and sponsors and and vendors who rent space um, and, and other things of that nature that pay for it, you know, that that make it possible for us to actually do it and, and make it so that other people don't have to pay hmm. uh, to attend. And, and and that, you know, if somebody donates five dollars towards our charity partner, um all five dollars of that goes to the charity. Yeah. yeah, that's really important. None of it gets sectioned off into yeah. paying for this administrative thing or that bureaucratic thing or anything like that. And that just creates a certain energy that builds on itself. Um, and, and and I you know I attribute a lot of the success of the festival to to that. You know, I mean, if like if you're going to do a festival like this, make sure it's a charity thing. You know, make sure it's got that vibration to it. It's it's like the first most important thing about it. Yeah, you can feel it. You can really feel it in everything that 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 happens. When I was there that weekend, it just it just permeated the whole. It was just really incredibly sweet. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, 
it's interesting. I I I know that you. It's it's kind of like. Oh, I don't even know how to how to express it. It's sort of a perfect storm, a perfect storm that makes it um, difficult for all musicians these days with streaming and all the other things that we're um, that that they're confronting. What what do you think would make a difference? Yes. Mm, that's a, such a great question. Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, it's like at the end of the day, people can stream and copy and this and that and the other. But, you know, the one thing that will never be able to be duplicated is is that actual, you know, medicine of uh, coming and, and vibrating your own being with other beings yes. uh, through sacred sound, through... Um, and so, yeah, hopefully we'll see more and more people that, and we are, we're seeing more and more people that are connecting with, with this medicine and, and doing it in a way that, you know, they'll realize, Hey, this is really, really good for me. I want to continue. I want to continue this. I want to support this. And so they'll come out and they'll, you know, come to more festivals and, and, Doshan, your your signals will pay. Um, Signals are very good. Yeah, just want to be and because what you're saying is, I really want to get it, and your signal is is uh, is is kind of fading a little bit. So, just wanted to make you aware of that. Um, Yeah, Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's better. Okay. Uh, I mean, just to add to what he just said, and and to this idea about about tithing. I mean, I'm familiar with it. And I mean, I think you could really just say that, you know, part of the biggest problem, um, you know, between sort of American culture and maybe the the traditional culture of India, you know, it's, it's like, we should be everything about yoga um, in America should be on should be done on a donation basis, right? So that nobody is excluded, right? Even if you have no money, you can still go and you can still benefit from the practice. That's how it should be. You know, so the question is, what kind of a system can we develop that allows people to pay on a sliding scale like that and actually gets people to think clearly about how much could I afford to support this? I mean, I think that's where the thing works out well, because, you know, then they're, you know, at the churches, they literally say, you know, you should be paying 10% of your income. Mm hmm into the church like there's a percentage and there's a mathematical formula to figure out how much you should be putting into the basket you know um and and if we had more of a sense of that and more of a you know more of a um you know i i just the other thing about it too is i just the the kirtan community is really fragmented um it's not like we're all getting you know the fact that we're having this kind of roundtable conversation with you is great you know because this, this is not happening you know, it's it's really more of a thing of like it's it's kind of an every artist for themselves kind of a situation, um, and everybody's just kind of like doing whatever they think is best um, ultimately. And I think you know, there's even to some extent, there's even a lack of transparency um, in in sort of a very normal American capitalist kind of way, where it's like various artists don't know how much other artists are charging. Hmm. And and there are sort of people kind of keep that close to the chest um, in a lot of ways. And, um, uh, you know, I've had some funny conversations around that, 
around that very thing. So I, I think that we have a lot of work to do um, to come together as a community and, and to present a united front about like, this is how we want Kirtan business to be. There are different ways of, all, I mean, as many different ways of looking at this practice as people who are doing it. And if you're exactly. a musician, um, you know, you can see it as a, as a way to make money. That doesn't seem very practical, but you know, I mean, you have to make money if you're going to live, how are you going to make money if no one will support it? Right. Um, and right. how are you going to make music if you're constantly consumed with making a living? I mean, that's the point of having a patron so that you don't have to worry about that stuff and you can concentrate on the things you're good at, which yeah. are, is inspiring the rest of us. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, and then the overlay of that is the whole spiritual thing. So, you know, you have people who won't perform for money. It, it's, it's, a uh, it, it, it's an interesting, it's interesting, isn't it? Well, I mean, cause well, it's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go, go. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, it, it's also interesting because it, it's like there's this division between money and spirituality, but that's an illusion. There isn't a division there. You know, money is just energy. So, you know, it's I don't know. To me, it seems like it's just kind of funny that one would not perform, you know, some s spiritual practice and, and yeah. deny money as part of that experience. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's an interesting, I just had an interesting thought about, um, you know, the nature of not just Kirtan music, but all music and, uh, and even, and, you know, and, and all, and let's just say all the arts and this whole concept of patronage, um, which is that patronage is a, a system that actually kind of existed up until pretty much like the 1950s, um, you know, where you had... Uh, wealthy uh, art collectors and uh, uh, benefactors for classical music and other things of that nature who were kind of supporting it um, and, and allowing it to continue. Um, and that's, and, and the funny thing about it is that that system broke down in the 1960s mm. and, and then like technology just started shooting upwards. Um, and, and there's been no time to like figure anything out. Because the technology has been changing so rapidly. I mean, you know, everything that we're talking about with streaming right now, everybody was like flipping out when when the cassette tape was invented. You know? <laughs> because then it's like people could just buy blank cassettes and tape records. Right. Uh, the same the exact same uh, uh, thing was the exact same arguments were being made. I remember I remember listening to Clint Eastwood talk about VHS tapes. And, mm. and how it was going to destroy the, the film industry, you know, because people could just, you know, tape, tape stuff and, and watch it at home, um, you know, and, and we've weathered all that stuff. So I don't think I don't think the streaming will change it that much for myself. It's, you know, with the streaming, I, I just only make certain things available, you know, um, so uh, if you go to Spotify, there's there's not a lot of blues. There's a little bit on there so that people can find me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so so that people can find the band. But um, uh, there's not a lot. It's certainly not. I, it's certainly not uh, Blue Spirit Will's entire disc discography available for streaming on Spotify. And maybe that's where it needs to go. You know, yeah. that, that bands will only put out limited uh, uh, limited songs so that people, as you said, can find them. And um, put two or three songs on there. Right. You know? But, you know, I was really surprised to find I, I was reading an article on the Arrhythmics, um, 
Hmm. Who was the guy in the Arrhythmics? Dave, um, Dave Stewart, is that his name? Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, well, whoever it was. Anyway, he was talking about, you know, you see all these big stars that are coming out of retirement to do concerts. And he said they're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because their royalties have been cut so much because of streaming. <laughs> their incomes, they don't have an income anymore. There are yep. no royalty incomes anymore. Right. Their they're publishing, they're publishing contracts were based on radio. Not on internet streaming. So. Well, see, and that's just what happened with Sirius and the Krishna Das channel. So, um, yep. which which uh, we were talking about this before I actually started uh, recording, but you know that has led to a crisis situation for many many kirtan artists that they have found that their royalties from that station have been cut drastically when mm-hmm. it moved to internet only. And and so, and that just recently happened. I mean, it was very fast and they didn't have time to adjust. So for those of us who, in the community who, who love what you, what our artists do, um, it, it's good to be aware of this because if we don't take steps, things are going to change, but all things change. There you <laughs> go. We just there don't want it to change in a way that, that, um, I don't know. You know? Uh, you know what you know what would be interesting uh, around that is you know and this is kind of a different model perhaps um, of it. I don't think there's a lot of people who would be willing to do this, but you could basically just like at the you know at some time during the year it's almost like an NPR model, right? So at, at the beginning of the year you would ha- you would do a big crowdfunding campaign, and you would set you basically say. I want to uh, take this band, uh, you know, this band wants to uh, do the following things this year. We would like to record this album. We want to go on tour to this area and this other area, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We would like to be able to do all of this and provide everything for free. So, uh, you know, if we can, so here's how much money it's going to cost for us to do that and like lay it all out. Mm Mm-hmm. Like what you need, what what's what you actually need, what your expenses are, um, and see if you can get people to fund it. Well, um, Jai now is on this pa- a platform called Patreon, I, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which which allows you to actually contribute money to your favorite artists. And someone, I just got an email from someone who suggested it that I do it for the podcast. But you can actually, you know, support an artist through this. And it, it is like the patronage system. Um, you know, if you have a favorite artist and you want them to do, to do a CD, you want to contribute to their living expenses, just make their life a little bit easier, you can contribute some money. It's a great idea. Um, and maybe this is the way the model will evolve. It may be. It may be. Yeah. Uh but I mean, literally, they just came on online about maybe what a month, two months ago. I've started hearing about them, so they're fairly new. But um, maybe this will be a way to. <laughs> yeah, I don't thank know. You, thank you for it's, doing but, that. Kissy. But getting the conversation yeah. started is the is um, a big part, I think, of making it happen, making people aware of what's going on in our community, and 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 trying to figure out ways that we can help. Well, and, and ultimately, the only way that that happens is that more people need to be uh, listening to and, and attending Kirtans. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's one of the, you know, I think you see that in the yoga community just generally, it's like with this sort of explosion of yoga teacher trainings, right. Um, they're cranking out tons of yoga teachers every year, but, but uh, not, there's not a good, 
um, energy being put into actually creating more students. Hmm. So, so what happens is you get more teachers, but the same number of students, and so the classes just become smaller, and nobody makes any money. And it's it, you know it's a, an epidemic in the in the asana thing, and I, I think you see that kind of happening to an extent um, in in Kirtan as well, in the sense that. Um, you know, when I started playing Kirtan, you know, 10 plus years ago, um, there were not that many bands around, mm-hmm. um, honestly. And now there's like a lot. Um, I mean, it's it's uh, it's probably expanded by like five times at least. Um, from, yeah, from where I, from where it was when I began. Um, and the question is, 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 is the, is the community really expanding as fast as the number of artists are? Because that's where you get into a little bit of difficulty as well. Um, of, of just, you know, when we were thinking about create, if you're creating a, an association of Kirtan artists and what the standards are and, you know, does any, can anybody be a part of it? You know, uh, if, if they, you know, do, do Kirtan at their home yoga studio, once a month, you know, I don't know. It's like, where do you set those standards? But, um, you know, I mean, we just need to be doing more to create people who like Kirtan. Um, you know, that's part of what Chantlano was really about was a big public event that was free to attend, you know, so that people would come and experience it. Yeah. And I talk, you know, one of the best things that has ever happened to me with Chantlano was, you know, cause it's in this big, sort of imposing church building right in, uh, you know, very urban environment. And I've talked to several people over the years at the, at the event who somehow find found their way to me, uh, without really realizing that I was the director of the festival, but they would just say like, you know, we'd have the doors to the church wide open, uh, out onto the street. And they would say like, well, yeah, we had, I just was walking by and I heard this coming out <laughs> of the thing. And I came up and there was somebody at the door and they said, yeah, it's free. You can come in. And so I did. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. You know? wow. And then they be, then they are people that I know now who are like regular people in the community. You know? Yeah. That's uh, so there be more of that. Yeah. You know, it needs to be more of that. Yeah. More outreach, more outreach. And, um, the church that, uh, that our band plays in the Unitarian church here has designated Kirtan as a form of worship. And so that, it, that it expands this whole form out to another whole group of people that were weren't aware of it until we started we started there and um it would be great if more people would initiate this in their communities because then that would open up a market for artists but of course then people have got to support the artists when they come in which right. is another whole thing and, and part of this whole thing. So, I mean, where where do you guys make the most money? Do you make the most money through concerts or do you do you make them through CD sales? Or, you know, how how is your main way of supporting yourself? What is it? <laughs> well, for me, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely the, the Kirtans at this point because we hadn't recorded a CD up until – I don't know, last week or two weeks ago, uh, <laughs> over, over at Ian's place. So. Good for you. Uh, he's, still, he's still, he's still tweaking the mix. I'm still tweaking the mix. Still tweaking, going on. tweaking the mix. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I think I think that the, the 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 largest amount is is made through through ticket sales or or donations. Um, uh, 
Although, you know, I mean, you can do all right on, um, on CD sales and, you know, and, and sometimes with, with the artists who come to Chantlana who are, are doing it at, on a volunteer basis, um, we do make their CDs for available for sale at, at the event and, and people have made pretty damn good money, um, selling CDs that night. So it's not like they were walking away with nothing. Um, so, so that's, you know, that's, uh, that works out pretty well, uh, generally speaking, but, but interestingly enough, I think that, you know, this is true for me and, uh, and I think this is true for a lot of artists out there, um, my biggest source of revenue is actually workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I get paid the most money. Um, and that's sort of a thing where, where, you know, the, the, the Kirtans and the touring around and stuff like that, that sort of feeds, um, this other spiritual thing that I do, which is, is teaching these mantra workshops where, you know, I'll go into a community with the band and we'll play there and, and I'll get a sense for, what it's like and and if people might be really interested in a workshop just like I did in Corvallis. Yes. Um I you know I I'll then I'll say like hey would you like to do a workshop around this learn more about what we're doing and then I can co- I can go back there at a later date um and do a full weekend uh thing and that usually tends to go very very well um for me in a financial sense um amongst many other you know amazing aspects of it. But anyway, I just want to thank the both of you so much for your contributions today. It was really great to talk to you about this. And, um, you know, hopefully it'll start a conversation with people or at least make them a little bit more aware uh, of the situation. So, um, thank yeah, you. Thank, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I think it's a, I think it's just a huge um, kind of a river that we need to cross yeah. uh, in, in our community. And I, I think it's great that you're bringing awareness to it in this way. Thank you so much, the both of you, for being here today. I have uh, Mike Cohen and Wah, who are going to talk about uh, Kirtan artist compensation and just what the general trends in music are doing to uh, to musicians' incomes. Wah, in an email, you described it as a perfect storm, a perfect storm. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, well, uh, if we go back... In time a little bit, uh, there was a time when the internet had just exploded and there was something called Napster and people were starting to share files and share music and uh, it was considered uh, and prosecuted as a crime. And so the way that you were supposed to buy music uh, when the internet first came online was through iTunes. So you're supposed to download a track and pay for that. Uh, and so people were skirting around that issue. They were sharing files for free. Um, so there was a lot of argument about that. And then streaming came on the scene. And streaming was something that was in addition to downloading off of iTunes. iTunes was still the, the main source for music. And so streaming was just considered, well, something that would be on the side. It would be kind of a novelty. Um, And so it wasn't set up with any monetization at all. And so now what's happened is that we've evolved into a world that doesn't have CDs or CD players in the cars and or CD players in the laptops. And so people are are given the choice to either download the music 
or to stream. And so streaming is the less expensive choice. And so most people have gone over to streaming. And so this is leaving uh, musicians then with no revenue. It's not a it's not a model for business that can actually work. And uh, and then just to to further uh, confound the situation, the the streaming companies, uh, all except Google, have spent the entire amount of money that they have gained in profit. Uh, they've spent it all away just trying to set up their uh, infrastructure. And so Spotify, Pandora, all these companies, they are showing a loss every single year. And I might add that some of the well-known names like Amazon uh, still don't show a profit. Wow. So no one's making any money. Yeah. Well, and this, you know, and I could expand it even further to include a lot of other areas in uh, in online community online activity, um, which includes Netflix, it includes, you know, uh, there's a there's a devaluation of many areas of society uh, through the internet. And I can get another job, I don't have to be a musician, I can, can, you know, I can teach yoga, I can teach music classes, I can, you know, go, I've run other companies besides this one. But the devaluation is something that concerns me. So if everything is is free or, uh, you know, without any real standard, if everything's being given away for a dollar, you know, nobody's making any money now. And so then this is not a good future for uh, a society uh, and a, a country that is no longer a superpower. Yeah, and you know, we see it in, um, I see it in my profession in voiceover, uh, you know, we see it in uh, all arts, you know, I mean, journalism, especially uh, with, with what's going on, you know, and I'm as guilty of it as the next person. When an ad comes up, I don't want to see it. It's, well, I'm, it's glad, a big problem. I'm glad that you bring up advertising because advertising was has been considered the way to raise money in order to fund some of these companies that are not making any money through their uh, usership. So mm-hmm. they're not making money through the people uh, buying the service. They're supposedly like YouTube and like you described, things are being paid for by advertising. That is very, very quickly disappearing. The ads don't work. Um, You know, there's no revenue created by these ads. And so the advertising is quickly going away. One of the questions that you had for us, Mike, at least for me and Mike, was, you know, what are some of the solutions to this? You mentioned tithing. I was thinking, well, you know, what if there was a Kirtan community that could be advertised to? Um, But you know, within the, the, the basic business model as it exists on the Internet, there are no real solutions at this moment. And, and perhaps um, bringing awareness of the situation is, is the first step. Uh, and I don't know, what do you think could help? What, what, what do you think might, I mean, is CD, do you make money from sales of CDs? Do you make more money when people come to your concerts? How can we help support live Kirtan in our own communities and throughout, and throughout the, the, the world, really? Well, those are 
those are great questions, Kitsi. You know, I think Waugh is, you know, doing a phenomenal job of painting the picture of how things are. And so raising awareness and building understanding certainly is the first first step. And, you know, I have been touring all over uh, all over the U.S. really since my first album came out in 2009. I was been based in the Midwest. Now I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And I've been in New England and up and down the West Coast. And I've, I've been around a bit and I've seen how things have shifted. And, you know, when I first got excited about Kirtan, I was listening to Waz CDs. They're phenomenal, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know? Love, Me too. Love, <laughs> love her music. I love, actually, I got to be in a, a class that she taught here in Boulder a, a couple months back. And she was incredible yoga teacher, spiritual teacher. And, uh, you know, so things have changed um, drastically. I remember when I was making my first CD, and I somehow came across a video of um, Terry McBride, who founded both uh, Network and Newtone Records. And at one point, uh, I think it was, uh, if I have the names, the, the names are similar enough that I get confused. But I think it was Newtone that had all the Kirtone artists signed at one point. But yes. in 2009, yeah, yeah, that's right. So 2009, I saw a video of him, and he was talking about this thing called Spotify from, from Europe and what it was going to do. And here I was in the middle of making my first CD, and I thought, um, you know, he's basically saying that the music industry is going to change so dramatically you can't imagine it. And it it really didn't hit um, with my first CD, but by the time my second CD came out in 2012, the amount of sales that uh, were happening were, were, you know, down to a trickle comparatively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and it's, it's further gone in that, in that direction, and it's, it's very, very hard for, for anyone to to make a CD if no one will purchase it. Um, so I, I, I think that it's really important to just take stock of where we are. And, um, you know, you're asking what are the solutions. I, I can throw a bunch of ideas out there. I want to share that you know, a fair amount of the work that I do is leadership coaching. And a few weeks back, I was in Detroit working with a company, and we were talking about conversations for innovation. And I was sharing, you know, a conversation for innovation starts with someone making a declaration. This isn't working. Or something's not, something's missing, or there's an opportunity. So I think what we're doing is we're declaring, um, "Hey, this isn't working." Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and from there, you know, what we want to do is step into conversations for possibility and opportunity, and then action. So possibility is let's throw everything against the wall, let's brainstorm, let's let's think outside the box. Opportunity is let's see what's stuck to the wall. You know, let's pan for gold. Are there any opportunities that we had haven't con- conceived of previously. And then it's a matter of um, making some experiments and seeing what can work and, um, and, and what won't work. So, you know, I can, uh, you know, as this conversation goes on, I'm happy to share some of my wild and crazy ideas and other things that I hear um, people saying. So we'll end there for now. The rest of my conversation with Wah and Mike Cohen will appear in part two of this series, along with thoughts from Jai Utal and Ben Leinbach. I hope you'll stay tuned.